Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Hello and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex and today I am talking to a man who has gripped an entire generation with his melodic prowess and lyrical aptitude, making music that is steeped in an EQ that few of his contemporaries can match. We love him here in South Africa and every time he goes live on Instagram, we make up 90% of his audience and we drop highly inappropriate but always hilarious comments to show him just how much we love his singularly unique sound. I am, of course, talking about James Blake. James, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. No, I'm I'm great. I'm great. I'm I'm so excited to to talk to you. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that you know that we absolutely love you here in South Africa. Because you've blessed us more than once during lockdown with your Instagram live stream. So on behalf of all South Africans, I just want to say thank you for being you. And especially for blessing us with that last request for an Instagram live performance that came off Twitter. We especially needed that at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you were going into lockdown, right? Yeah, I, I we're still in lockdown at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no, it, going into the current lockdown. Yeah, no, I, I um, honestly, it was... Uh, I well, just I'm so grateful for the for the love that I've received from South African fans and and I my biggest my only regret is that I haven't been there before the um before the pandemic um and uh I would love to you know as soon as it's possible I'll be on a plane over there I think that any and every promoter listening to this that just heard that is on the blower to your team trying to figure out how we can get you here now. Um, but I think it's also unanimous here in South Africa that your cover of Frank Ocean's Godspeed is a favorite. I will always love you How I do. And on YouTube, one of the video's top comments is, I thought this was very interesting, it's, I want this at my wedding or my funeral, whichever comes first. <laughs> and and I, I thought that that was a pretty succinct way to sum up how much that track, how much that cover means to people. Did you have any idea that your vision would blow up the way that it did? No, I didn't. Uh, I only... I only really did a version because um, I that's sort of how I heard it in my head and the record version is slightly different so I thought I'll just do I'll just sing it um, and uh, back in the day I, I think it was a few years ago now I was I was playing it uh, at Shangri-La studios uh, when I was working with Rick Rubin and and I 
just happened to just start playing that song and uh rick was like oh you should and and uh jamila was there as well she was like yeah you should definitely you know record it at least so we recorded it uh, a version of me playing and i actually don't have that recording right to hand but i remembered that it was something that i could perform so then i started performing at a couple of live shows and then eventually it ends up being you know this uh recorded version and and this tick widely tiktoked version somehow i mean I, mm. I it was a strange way for me to because i always thought with tiktok i always thought it was something sort of snappy and and like you know what i mean probably yeah, like, like usually it's trap or it's like something that a lot of the tiktok songs um it feels like somebody's taking a smaller excerpt of, of, of something and i never thought mm-hmm. that i'd end up going viral on tiktok for anything i did um, I just assumed that my music was too left field or, or uh, didn't, you know, kind of fit within that framework. So um, when that happened, I was like, wow, that's insane. And all these, you know, people starting doing videos of them lying in, you know, their kid's lap or like with their pet or whatever, with the I will always love you. And it was just, <laughs> it was honestly, it was surreal. And then celebrities started doing it. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Talk to me about your relationship with social media, because I feel like also over lockdown, a lot of people, not only musicians, but a lot of people flocked to social media in order to feel connected with with one another. Mm. I mean, we started this podcast, well, we went live just just as we went into the first lockdown. And, Mm. and, um, you know, obviously people were online and they were looking for things to do. And your Instagram lives seem to connect with people who are going through a lot of different things, a lot of different emotions, still now in, in continued lockdowns. It's really seem to connect with audiences. Tell me about why Instagram live specifically is a medium that you favor. Because um, it's free. Uh, <laughs> and because everyone has it, you know. Um, it seems I, I think in this climate you know there were there were talks of like you know oh let's let's put on you know there, there were talks of live shows for ticketed you know online mm. things and and I don't know it felt like a, a strange time to be doing that um, and then there's just not really a more direct and an instantaneous way I, I guess um and so i think it it just felt it was the kind of thing where i could spontaneously uh press live and just decide to talk to people or decide to play something and and in the case of uh the this the live that was dedicated to south africa and and the lockdown it was and the fans there it was it was that somebody on twitter uh, got in touch and just said hey we need we're going into lockdown we need another mm-hmm. IG live so I just mm-hmm. it, you know that wouldn't have happened had it have been okay uh 22nd of May we're going to be doing a you know we're going to be doing a show it's like that that's a whole different um level of spontaneity that we were able to achieve pretty yeah, sure it happened an, two days later yeah it's an instant medium yeah it's great you know I think we can all agree that last year was a very difficult year 
but a lot of mm. incredible things happened as well. I mean, we know with the good comes the bad. And I feel like lockdown was a very interesting time for the evolution of James Blake. But mm-hmm. I want to start with the decision to dye your hair blonde because I feel like changing mm. a hairstyle, right, especially one that you've had forever, it shows a willingness to welcome a sort of change. Talk to me about that decision. Yeah. Uh or just a personal crisis. I can't, can't, um, <laughs> can't tell which. Um, I, I, uh, I just, yeah, it was time for something new. I've had the same hairstyle since I was about 15. So in different, you know, different ways, different, um, like slightly different incarnations, but it's pretty much the same. So I, um, I just felt, yeah, new, new, new era. Um, I mean, I'm not currently blonde now. The thing is, when I, it's actually fairly annoying to upkeep. I mean, I didn't realize this when I when I saw these people with amazing colored hairs. Um, but it's actually a little bit painful, and it's something that you have to commit to if you want. It, you you have to be okay with your hair being a completely different texture, and <laughs> you know, like it became very. My hair actually became quite K-pop. Like you know how it's like. It stands up. It just, or like it's just got a different texture to it, mm-hmm. um, and so, it and it goes goes very straight. So you know, like it's a, I don't know if you if you, it it, it was cool. It was cool for a bit. I'm probably going to do it again, but I think it's, you know, a lot of people. I keep posting images of me like p- from that period. People are like, oh my god, he went blonde again. It's like, no, not yet. But I will. It's, and also, who cares? But we we care a lot, James. We care a lot. But, the, okay, but, okay. but you're right. Like the upkeep of blonde hair, especially platinum blonde hair, like like yeah. you went. People don't understand. Like my hair was blue black at one point, and mm. I decided very stupidly to dye my hair blonde. And then mm-hmm. over the course of the next two dyes, I basically went platinum, and then I had to cut all my hair off because it just yes. totally destroyed it. The bleach destroyed it. Oh, no, I have it. a newfound respect for anyone who does that a lot. And I, you know, like, you got to use a special conditioner. you got to do exactly. it every day. And if you don't use the conditioner, you don't sit in the shower for 20 minutes a day. I was like, who's got time? I, like, I don't. I don't even like being in the shower that long. <laughs> I don't want to, you know what I mean? like sit there with conditioner on my head for 25 minutes or whatever to make sure the color stays. Otherwise it goes yellow. You know, it's like, I wanted it. I kind of wanted it white really. Um, and I just wasn't really able to get there. So I think next time I do it, I want to go full white. Um, go for that, like aged, uh, David Byrne look. I think Um, that'll look quite nice actually. Yeah. I I like, I like the idea. I mean, that was the original uh, intention, but, Ended up with frosted tips. So, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I had the courage to dye my hair again. But I, I've basically just grown everything out now, and I I, I really don't want to cut off all my hair again. That was that was not a yeah. A, 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 I mean, something I did, I did my head in the end. Yeah, and and I luckily I I had an okay shaped head. It was it, the problem was it, it's like I've had all that hair for so long, and then it was it was quite a drastic change. I don't think it looked as good on me as I was, th- I was imagining, you know, like I was imagining some kind of like bald action star. Um, like a Bruce Willis. I actually, yeah, somebody like that. And it didn't quite 
didn't quite go that way. So, but also, yeah, I just, um, what was I going to say? I think dyeing your hair does, it makes you feel new and it makes you feel, it's like being blonde. I felt like I, I had sudden agency to have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And people kept saying to me, oh, you must be having so much more fun now you're blonde. And after a while of people saying that to you, it becomes kind of like positive affirmation and you end up going, oh, no, I am having more fun. So maybe it's just psychological. What kind of fun were you having in lockdown? I mean... I mean... Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> It's relative, isn't it? <laughs> um, I have fun in lockdown. I mean, I was watching a lot of, I guess I was watching a lot of movies. Um, we watched a lot of disaster movies. Um, for some reason, it felt right. Uh, watched a lot of, you know, like pandemic-related movies, like Outbreak. Um, yeah, that was on TV a lot, even here. Just to kind of like work through it, I think to work through the anxiety of it, uh, I think it helped. Um, and like, I ended up on like a binge of, of we ended up on a binge of, of like, uh, of disaster movies, like Dante's Peak and stuff like that. Just, I think it, it fit the mood of what was happening in the world. Uh, and so, and I'd rather actually watch a movie like that than read the news, actually. Um, similar feeling. Sorry, that's my dog um you you don't have to apologize i am obsessed with dogs and every time (laughs) um we we do a a recording and somebody's dog is in the background and it happens more often than you would think um i always i i'm i'm obliged to ask what is his or her name and what kind of dog is he or she so barold is a poodle mix uh, and a uh, kind of like a sort of ginger um, in color, and he is a very good boy. <laughs> He's a very very good boy. What is his He's name? He's a great Bar- dog. Barold. Barold. Yeah, like Barold, like Harold with a B. Uh, okay, Barold. How? It's not. Uh, an, it's, it's not a name that exists. We 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 invented it. My dog's name is Mally. And oh, that's it, a nice name. But but also not a classic name. I and I just no. sort of came up with Mally one day. I was in the park and I was screaming things at him because I had just adopted him from the shelter, and his name at the shelter was Romeo. But he never replied to that. So we were mm. in the park and I was screaming Romeo, Romeo, and then I started shouting other things at him, and Mally for some reason stuck. And that mm. is, that's how he got his name. Everybody thinks that it's a short version of O'Malley. And I'm like, no, I just invented it. <laughs> so, Barrel. Oh, wow. Good name. It's just whatever they'll respond to. I mean. Exactly. It's just whatever gets the job done, really. <laughs> how long have you had Barrel for? Uh, since the beginning of lockdown. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're you know, it, I guess, yeah, lockdown, lockdown, baby. Um, but I, uh, I didn't actually know he was behind me when he started barking. He just, he's sort of like a ghost. He'll just appear and start barking at stuff. So when you record, if you're at home, do you have to just sort of 
lock the doors and make sure the barrel doesn't come in. Yeah, actually, funnily enough, when I was recording Godspeed, uh, I had to record the, because I didn't have a studio at my, I didn't have a piano in my actual little studio room. I had it in the living room. So I had to do the whole thing in the living room. And I had to wait until Barold was asleep uh, to actually <laughs> record the take. I'm sure I did 50 takes of that song because there were crickets. So I, I did one take that I thought was perfect. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I'd already done it 20 times. And it turned, I listened to the recording and there were crickets in the background uh, or cicadas, whatever they call them. I'm not sure where they call them, where you are. Crickets. Um, crickets, yeah. And uh, in and then I did another take. And I thought, oh, finally got got the best take. And the lights were buzzing. You know, like oh, a dimmer switch when you turn the yeah. lights down, it, and it buzzes. So there was a buzz. I couldn't use that take. And then at one point, the plumbing in our house just decided to make this crazy noise where it goes like in the middle of one of the takes that was great. It was going great. And then barrels just started barking incessantly. So I probably did about 50 before I got to the, the one that you, that you hear on record. So before we continue with the episode, we would just like to tell you about something that is very close to our hearts over at Text Talks, and that's the people of South Africa. During these unprecedented times, those who are the most vulnerable have had to shoulder an almost impossible burden, the daily struggle to find food. The never-ending lockdowns have made an existing situation worse, with those in need struggling to find a solid meal. Enter SA Harvest. SA Harvest has a mission to help feed the estimated 18 million women, men, and children who go to bed hungry each day in a country where an estimated 10 million tons, or 28 billion, yes, that's billion with a B, meals of fresh food go to waste each year. And owing to the pandemic, up to 30% of SA households are now deemed food insecure. By partnering with local and national businesses, SA Harvest is using innovative techniques to fulfill this mission. And if you are in a position to donate or volunteer or partner with them, please head on over to saharvest.org and hit that donate button in the top right-hand corner. You can EFT, SnapScan, credit card. And for our US listeners, you can get a tax advantage donation via CAF America. I know we are all experiencing tough times, but if you can help in any way, go to saharvest.org and hit donate. And now back to the episode. You know, I'm curious to know what Frank Ocean means to you as an artist, because to me, he's one of the best communicators of the human condition that I've had the pleasure of listening to. He's one mm -hmm. of my favorite artists. I mean, just a stunning writer. A stunning writer. Mm. And someone who manages to coin phrases that you never, you know, it, it, other writer. It just, it just, he's the kind of writer that makes other writers jealous, basically. That's a perfect answer. Um, but being in the producer seat for someone else's music, like you were on Blonde, mm -hmm. how did it feel suddenly having to know? what to do for other people being so used to knowing what to do for yourself as far as mindsets go was that an easy switch to flip no it wasn't um because i had too much ego initially oh. um i didn't realize it i wasn't it wasn't like out of control like i wasn't 
I wasn't um, just, you know, making, I wasn't trying to make everything about me, but it was just, I, I took things personally when they weren't being used and not, you know, not even in a way that was like, I wasn't even telling people. I was just kind of quite going home and being really, really disappointed if something didn't work out the way I wanted it to, or if a song didn't, you know, my ideas weren't the way, you know, it's like, you, it's not even just my ideas being used. It's it's more like this is the vision I have for this song, and I, I would love it if it ended up like that because I'm such a big fan of this person. I want it. I want I want my like utopic version of what this song could be to be the way it ends up. And when that person is just in their own frame of mind and they're they're just doing their own thing and they're in a, a different part of their life or they've got mm. different influences and they just want to make it sound like this. Maybe they just want to take all the drums away and they want to just have it an ambient version because they're just like sick of drums or whatever. Uh, you just have to wrestle with your own frustration and your own kind of like, no, 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 but it would sound so much better if it was like this. And it's like, no, but it's not your music. That's where, that's the thing I had to learn. Um, is that at some point I just have to let go and let the, uh, you know, re remember that the, the most important thing about producing someone else is that they're, um, they, they are happy. They, they feel spiritually at ease and rested and just happy with the thing, with the result. That's a really important, um, part of, my job the most important part of my job where's barrel that's the most important thing we've got a bell on the door so that barrel can ring it of course you do that's very smart to actually do <laughs> he rings it like a like a genius was it difficult to train him did you get um, him from when he was a puppy we got him young so he you know he's he's definitely yeah, he was malleable. Um, I was able to teach him quite a lot. And the biggest thing, honestly, the biggest quality of life improvement for having a dog, I think, is training him to ring a bell. How did you do um, it? So you, uh, you, you put the, uh, basically, you, you put a treat by, mm -hmm. next to the bell. Okay. And so, well, you, you ask them to pour. Uh, okay. at your hand which is next to the bell and then you give them the treat for pouring at the bell and you do that like five or six times maybe ten i mean takes a while could could be doing it a couple for a couple of days and then eventually <laughs> you take your hand away and you just say pour and then and then you don't give them the treat until they've hit the bell and then when they hit the bell they realize oh okay every time i hit the bell i'm getting a treat okay so now that's that's phase one <laughs> then you uh, open so then every time they hit the bell they get the treat and then the door opens so uh, they think okay. okay so now every time they hit the bell the door opens and then it's like you know so it's just it's all in stages and then eventually when they go to the toilet outside you give them a big even bigger treat and what is it there's a there's a trainer on on uh on, on YouTube called Zach George, who says that, it, you know, when they go to the toilet outside, you, it should unlock the best version of yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> suddenly you're incredibly playful and you want to you just give them the world, I'm, um, which is what I do. 
I'm so fascinated by how people train their dogs because I was very lucky when I adopted Manny. I've had him for seven years. I didn't have to train him at all. He was mm-hmm. 100% house trained. Whenever he wanted to go to the bathroom, he would run to the front door and paw at it, like scratch it. So I mm. immediately knew, never messed inside my apartment, like super good. Wow. The only thing that I did kind of had to train on a little bit was traffic sense. He has absolutely no traffic sense. Like, oh, So he knows yeah. now when we're walking and we stop at a traffic light, he stops with me. Otherwise, he would just go. He has wow. no idea that cars are dangerous. I was fascinated as to how Barold, when, we when he was growing up, he just doesn't, he just just thought that it was okay to be in the road with a with a truck like it's just like oh it's it'll be fine no survival sense <laughs> at all although maybe that's because trucks just weren't part of dog's survival mm-hmm. um you know it's just they're just yeah so there's a lot of things like how they how they interpret zones in the house and how they how they understand which room is okay to piss in and which is you know like which mm-hmm. place is and which isn't and somehow oh look it's i mean it's so it's so complex and yet it's they seem so simple do you live in la now i do yeah have you been there for a while yeah we've lived there seven years oh okay so for a long while is la very dog friendly very very dog friendly um people here are obsessed with their dogs like their children um, okay, no, it's, that's great. it's a potentially a sickness. <laughs> it can never be a sickness to be too attached to your dog. Maybe not, but it's, it gets weird. People speak to them in weird ways that it's like, it's not actually a human. It doesn't actually understand it. I mean, it might understand your tone. Um, but there is a level of molly cod, uh, molly coddling of dogs here, which is, potentially a bit strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we could talk about dogs all day on this podcast. Um, <laughs> probably. We, yeah, we, we could. I think we I should think just... We have. Yeah, I think we probably... I mean, I'm not even watching the time. But <laughs> I wish that... I wish that South Africa, Cape Town specifically, where I live, I wish it was more dog friendly. Really struggled yeah. when I when I moved from Johannesburg to Cape Town which is mm-hmm. where I was originally born. And then I was living in Joburg a f- for a few years um, mm-hmm. doing work because majority of the South African uh, music scene is in Joburg. And mm-hmm. when I moved from Johannesburg back to Cape Town at the end of last year, I really struggled to find a place that was pet friendly, which I, I mm. find so strange because, I, I mean, like, for example, when I first went to New York, I was so surprised at – you know, it's so built up, but it's such a dog-friendly city. Yeah. Like, every there are dogs everywhere. And I just wish mm-hmm. that, you know, Cape Town would be more dog-friendly, which is why I asked you about LA as well. So that's nice. Yeah, I think if you've got an anxious dog, New York's probably not the best. Mm. Um, but if you're, you know, just generally you've got like a, yeah. I, I mean, actually, I find New York's not the best for me for that reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of noise and a lot of stuff happening. Uh, I quite like a slow pace of life. Um, and, you know, there are incredible, wonderful things about New York, but it, it, it can be a stressful place. Uh, so, but yeah, I, you know, yeah, I mean, we've lived here seven years. I, I, it's not just 
it's not just barrel friendly it's me friendly it's uh it's very slow pace which is great i do think this place and just any city really it can you can create your own hopefully you can create your own tempo uh wherever you are it, it depends on your job i guess and and your situation but um yeah i i've tried to slow it down as much as possible i think that the slowest place is cape town um and a very small right. place uh, a very small town in cape town called komiki where things go backwards so when you come here <laughs> <laughs> when you come here, you have to go to Komiki. I don't know if you surf. There's some really good spots there. Um, I've never surfed, but I would start in, in uh, Komiki. I think you actually need to start in Musenberg. Yeah, my boyfriend's going to be so angry with me when he listens to this. He's going to be like, you don't, rem- don't remember where I lived. You can't remember where Do the remember surf spots name? are. <laughs> his name's Quentin. I remember that. <laughs> right, right. Second name? <laughs> uh, at- no, we don't have to, we don't have to name him. <laughs> It's actually what is it? It's Andrew James. Andrew James. Right. There we go. Yeah, right. strong, strong middle names. Um, but <laughs> but Cape Town. I think you'll you'll really enjoy Cape Town. It really is. It's super beautiful. Um, the yeah. people are really friendly. It's got a great arts and culture scene. There's a lot to do here. There really is. I'm so excited to come. I mean, I, I've always heard lovely things about it, so I'm. I'm I'm desperate to, you know, put put uh, names to faces. Mm. I think you'll enjoy Johannesburg as well. Johannesburg is very mm-hmm. different to Cape Town. It's a mm-hmm. very good representation of the rest of the country uh, mm. uh, and the continent as well. I don't feel like Cape Town is. Cape Town sort of little Europe in a way. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so the hustle and bustle of Johannesburg is very infectious and the people mm-hmm. are incredible which is why i i i keep going back there even though i live yeah i live in cape town there's a lot to there's mm-hmm. a lot to love about this country there's so many beautiful parts of it and parts to explore and we can't yeah we can't wait to have you we just need everybody to be vaccinated and <laughs> we mm-hmm. need borders to open up we need to yeah we need to beat this thing um but i mean i mean touring in general is is just I mean, even even touring America, where I actually live, is uh, is tricky right now. Uh, but we're going to try and make it happen. Yeah. So, what essentially is the plan for the new album when it's released? Because I mean, I, I I'm assuming that you can't do a stereotypical um, album tour like it's really hard. So maybe a mm-hmm. few stops or a few shows. Yeah. I mean trying to do the as many stops as possible and then you know the problem with international travel is that you know for example if i go to england um then getting back is the hardest thing because i'm actually a british citizen um so it you know they're likely to just be like well (laughs) you you come from here so stay (laughs) here (laughs) um and so i just need to i just need to make sure that we've we're completely uh sorted for travel traveling basically um and being as safe as possible obviously that's the that's the the highest highest priority um because i've got a lot of people who tour with me and i want to make sure that they're they're okay and the fans are okay and we're all being tested and all that stuff so there's a lot Mm. of uh 
obviously a lot more bureaucracy to it now um and it's more expensive to do um but the feeling remains the same i am determined to go out and play and uh we're gonna do it that's really really great to hear because i mean after i mean what has it been now between two both albums it's been about three years the break Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so people are people are frothing (laughs) to see you James (laughs) froth (laughs) won't won't need to froth for too long now (laughs) but I really like the artwork on the cover of Friends That that Break Your Heart I'm trying to remember the name of of the artist I think it's Miles Johnston yeah Miles Johnston yeah yeah I mean it's we are getting some some uh, there's a I think what's it called trip to something there's a trip uh tryptophobia there are some people who can't look at it because uh it's got holes in my face um some phobia thing um i didn't really realize that was a thing so that's when we did it i just yeah i didn't i don't even know what that is <laughs> yeah no there's are we getting a lot of complaints <laughs> people feel like i can't look at this artwork <laughs> oh well well that's a you shame because it's really beautiful it looks like this Sort of serene impressionist painting in the back. But oh, I then... love it so much. Yeah, yeah. Miles but... is Miles is unbelievable at, at what he does. And I mean, I look at it, and yeah, there are parts of your torso missing. Fine, but you know, it's a bit creepy, but like in a good way. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, it's not. It's not about it being creepy for them. It's it's literally a phobia of those kind of of, of like. I'm not even sure to be honest. I might even have to Google it right now because. Trips. Yeah, Google it. Yo, Google it so that we have the official definition because I would also actually. So, tryptophobia. Oh, no, trypophobia. Sorry, it's not even trypophobia. Trypophobia, um, beg your pardon, is a fear, of di- a fear or disgust of closely packed holes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the the re- resisting uh, euphemisms here. Uh, f- people who. People who feel it, sorry, people who have it feel queasy when looking at surfaces that have small holes gathered close together. For example, the head of a lotus seed pod or the body of a strawberry could trigger discomfort in some someone with this phobia. I mean, oh wow, you know what other phobias have we got to look out for? Do you know what I mean? When we're doing <laughs> when, when we're doing <laughs> artwork, it's like it's kind of ridiculous. I'd I'd love to see how many people have so how many. How many people have it? Let's see that. Are you Googling that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Google. 16% of people, apparently. Of the whole population of the world? There's literally an an article that says, who's afraid of a cluster of holes? 16% of people. So 16% uh, exactly of people cannot look at this album artwork. I mean, probably... I'm amazed my label didn't say anything about that because, I mean, they're one for, like, you know, statistics and accessibility. But it's so beautiful. I mean, I didn't, up until five minutes ago, I didn't even know that tryptophobia was a thing. So I mean, until my album artwork came out, I didn't either. Did you give Miles like a concept to work off or did he yes i said i'd love it if you could just trigger 16 percent of people of the planet 
Okay, so um, no. <laughs> I can't really face more irregularly or asymmetrically asymmetrically place holes. They make me like throw up in my mouth, cry a little bit and shake all over. My God, I had no idea this was such a big thing for, for some people. Damn. Oh, well. Um, he, he'd already done a series of paintings, which I just thought were absolutely beautiful. And if you look on his Instagram, you'll see them. Um, and I asked him to repurpose one of them for me. In fact, two of them. Um, there's another one too, but but this was one of my favorites, and it felt like it really suited the as just to be an album cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of swapped the subject to to be my face, um, and uh, we commissioned it. Mm. Another thing that I really liked in the rollout of the album was. Mm-hmm the Say What You Will video that you did with Phineas. So say what you will Go on Say what you will You're gonna do it anyway Go on Because just... <laughs> <laughs> where he basically plays like the more successful version of you in a video and and it's really funny but at the heart of it I think it speaks to the pressures of like comparing yourself to other people's successes um but like Mm. on a bit of a serious note how how do you feel about where you are right now and the headspace that you're in because I feel like everyone's in this very strange limbo where we're either in lockdowns or we're coming out of lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Vaccinations are being rolled out. We're not really back to normal, but we're kind of trying to go back to normal. So mm-hmm. how are you at the moment dealing with all of these external factors? Well, you know, I think like a lot of people, I, I found a huge amount of purpose in my work. And it was very it was kind of an existential problem to suddenly not be able to do it. Um, and as much as I feel lucky for being stable financially and, um, to, you know, I, I was lucky that I quarantined with, you know, my girlfriend and one of our best friends. And Mm -hmm. that was just so as magical, honestly, as, as a, you know, a unit like to, to still have company like that. I mean, there were people who quarantined alone. I don't even, I can't even imagine how hard that must've been. Um, and so I was lucky, but at the same time it brought up a lot of the same existential stuff. And, and there's also, you know, what did you not process before that? You know, what were you running away from? What were you not thinking about? Um, lest it, 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 uh, you know, threw you off balance. And, and that's kind of quite common, I guess, as well. I mean, that's a common story. And and I think now, after having, you know, the, what's changed from then till now in my career, not, not a lot's changed. Um, but in my approach to how I feel about it and how I feel about myself, I think a lot has changed. I think it allowed me to survey, you know, to to really access gratitude for what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have is, is objectively great. And I'm uh, just a, a very, you know, lucky person. I, I don't, um, you know, it's, it's, 
it, it, it shouldn't take um, it shouldn't take that to really be able to focus on 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 the great things. Um, but it did, and um, I think that is potentially a testament to how this industry can can kind of turn your head or or make you feel worried for your own position or worried for you know oh you know should I be doing this am I not doing enough you know like there's there's a lot of uh I think the the industry is built on turnover and it's built on what's the next good thing what's the next big thing what's the next um and even before that as an artist you know what's the next uh thing that I need to you know I can't just be satisfied with making one song um I need to make a better song I need to do this in a better way i need to you know hone this craft i need to like get to this place there's always a next place in your vision you know mm-hmm. um and uh to some extent there is a there is an extent to which that's healthy and then there's an there's an extent to which it's it's detrimental to your mental health um just like there's you know it's 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 good to have aspirations. It's good to be inspired by people. It's good to want to want better for yourself. Um, but the uh, comparison to other people and the uh, desire for more constantly and and desire itself being uh, a negative experience is is negative and and can affect you very badly. So I think that's just a natural part of you know lockdown happens all you've really got is your phone and you're just looking at a bunch of people seemingly still killing it and you don't know how um and (laughs) you're like shit what am i doing um i think that pretty much sums that up well i mean you're going on instagram live and you're blessing a whole country down here well yeah i did eventually but initially you know that was i was on i was in lockdown for months before i did that you know, and I, that, this is what I'm saying. So like the Instagram lives, that kind of stuff helped me reconnect. It helped me like, it helped me just be a performer again. You know, that's, that's a huge part of my raison d'etre for my reason for existence. It's, it's just without your reason for existence or your, no, maybe, maybe, maybe that's too strong a, a word, but maybe, or phrase, but without your, without your thing that makes you happy, that makes you feel centered and all that, it's very difficult to to be functioning it's very difficult to like f- to not be bored and or not be um or, or feel purposeful or feel good you know and so i think a lot of people experience that too do you ever go back afterwards and read the comments um i used to uh you mean like video comments and stuff yeah 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 i used to read more of them um, I have stopped um, because it's. I've actually found that release day is a day where I should actually be off my phone and doing other stuff, just doing nice things, doing fun things. Um, Popping bottles, celebrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like playing football, like going to a, you know what I mean? Like just do mm-hmm. something else, play tennis, uh, listen to a podcast about something that isn't about you. That's, uh, I think, the best thing for me to be doing on a release day. Uh, otherwise, it can feel quite self-centered. And it's actually ultimately not that. 
good for the soul. I think, you know, the, the, I want, I want feedback, but it's at the same time, it's like, you'd be surprised at how little you actually feel when you, it's supposed to be this big day or releasing a song. And it's like, actually the great feeling comes from connection with fans, like actually in person. Mm-hmm. Um, or on those kind of like IG lives or whatever, like that real, you know, in the moment situation, or it comes when you're actually making the music. Um, everything in between is, is just, it's kind of theoretical. It's kind of intellectual. So this podcast is an extension mm-hmm. of my website called Text and the City. And one of my writers Alessandro Giuli is one of your biggest, biggest admirers. And he gave me a question to ask you, and it's quite good. So he wants to know, how do you get yourself noticed today as a young artist when there are so many other musicians doing the same thing as you, self-producing and essentially making music on their own without a massive label or a manager? Hmm. That is a very good question. Mm. Um, you know what? He might be asking the wrong person, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because I am. I don't know. It's t- like the industry's changed so much since I got into it. Um, I could have probably told you that eight years ago, and now it's like. Like what, what's my best advice for, I mean, it depends how you want to make music. You know, if, if mm. I could say that trying to make your best music is, is the best way, but that's probably not necessarily true. Um, hype can really come from all sorts of places. It can, it can come because the music's of, of good quality. Uh, but it can also come because you marketed yourself in a, in a new and fresh and interesting way. And, and some people just become famous and become well-known musicians because they were really good at Instagram. Um, the, the, the unfortunate thing, there was a, there was a tweet, uh, (laughs) that said, um, you know, I just hope that music doesn't just become people who are good at the internet. Mm. Um, and I think to some extent it maybe has already. Uh, I think the, there is a lot of great quality music out there. Um, and some of it does really well and some of it doesn't in terms of like commercially and in terms of like recognition. Um, but I think regardless, um, if you want to hedge your bets, it's always going to be best to start with great songwriting. If you can, if you can, uh, you know, a good song can be dressed in any way um, and can come from any person. It can com- come from any type of person um, and break through. And we've seen proof of that over and over again. Um, I think a great song maybe even sort of transcends some of the roadblocks that usually 
get in front of people in this industry. Um, so yeah, I think just working on a craft as much as possible. I mean, I, again, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't really know. <laughs> I think you're exactly the right person to ask. And I think that that was a perfect answer. Okay, um, so on behalf of Alessandro, I just wanted to say thank you. And also thank you for joining me on Text Talks today. This is this has been an absolute pleasure just shooting the breeze about dogs and <laughs> LA and Cape Town. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a bucket list interview for me. So so thank you very much. Yay. And uh, I wish you all the best of luck with the release of the album and i hope that Thank on you. release day you do something very relaxing like go golf or <laughs> yes i think golf's a, a great a great idea uh yeah. on, on the release of the album that's, that's what i'll do shout out to james blake for joining us in studio text talks is coming to you from the amazing kaya creative studios at neighborhood in beautiful cape town south africa Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host Tex, my producers Jonathan Ings and Matt Lewitz, and our researcher Elle Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>